Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Six Rings. The dynasty continues. And football things. The X, the Z, vertical routes. I love football, man. With your host, Andy Hart. Well, Andy Hart is a football genius. I'm not going to pretend I sit down and watch the All-22. Next question, Andy Hart, please. Nick Fitzy Stevens. Is that Fitzy with you this morning? Absolutely not, Fitzy. This just in, I'm dead inside. And Chris Shine. Derek Carr, however, is a guy I would ride tonight. I think Matt Patricia's a boob. Back here for another post-Patriots practice Six Rings podcast. I'm Andy Hart, fresh off the slightly cooler, yet still sunny and beautiful fields of Foxborough, joined by Chris Shime Time Shime. Chris, you don't know what you're missing now these days. Last week, I was not happy at practice because not only did the entertainment value kind of stink, (laughs) but when it was like 85 degrees and just sweltering and butt crack sweat was an issue. and Just swamp ass left and right. But now we are into yet another week of practices at Gillette Stadium, and the temperatures are at like high 70s, just yeah, touching gorgeous. 80s. Absolutely beautiful. And on the horizon, we have joint practice action with the Carolina Panthers later in the week that we'll be podcasting about. But for the here and now, after Thursday night's preseason opener, the Patriots basically had the rest of the time off. I think they got together on Friday, they were off on Saturday and Sunday. And they hit the practice fields at Gillette Stadium today in shells. So a lighter workout still, not a full pads workout, which even though they've been in general going lighter in camp than I would probably like or even expect, I expected it today because I think you ramp up to tomorrow's full pads practice against the Panthers. We know how much Bill Belichick prioritizes those workouts, those joint practice sessions. So today's workout didn't really surprise me that it was light. So first and foremost, let's get some of the – minutia attendance stuff out of the way mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if this is concerning not concerning whatever malcolm butler not on the practice field yep and he is a guy that played i think it was like 24 snaps in the preseason uh opener he was one of the rare higher end players or whatever you want to call him if you believe he's a higher end player that did play started that game he was not on the practice field today another player not on the practice field hasn't been practicing of late and I think this is probably more problematic. Isaiah Wynn, your right tackle, continues to be absolutely not great. In his stead, you had Yadni Kajust out there, who some people saw in the preseason game. I think some people like what he's been doing lately. Got a little dinged up at one point in the preseason game, but then um, kind of jogged it off. He was back on the practice field today. But you know I've been calling that a house of cards 
uh, that that offensive line. And certainly if you're delving into your very, very limited depth in August, uh, I think that's a bad sign. So not be interesting great. to see. No, not at all. It'll be interesting to see where this Isaiah Wynn thing goes uh, moving forward. A positive note, somebody who mm-hmm. was out there more than we've seen him, okay. your guy, Jabril Peppers, the safety, Woo! took part in some team drills, some 11-on-11, quote-unquote, work. Some would say he even had a pep in his step. The, uh, others said they were sprinkling in a little peppers on the defense. Ooh, that sheesh. some may have been me on the field of Foxborough, and I may have gotten some <laughs> negative responses from other media members, Sounds but they can go right. after themselves. Girardi um, probably gave you a lot of shit for that one. A little, little bit, a little bit. Um, so I actually think that's a good thing, because I was wondering, I'd actually said, funny you bring him up, Mike Giardi, friend of the show, friend of WEEI and uh, NFL Network. I mentioned because Peppers had been so limited of late, all of since coming off PUP, did they rush it? Did they bring him off PUP too quickly? Because once you take him off PUP, that's no longer an option for the season. And I was starting mm-hmm. to wonder if he was a guy that maybe you'd want to put on PUP to start the year. Um, but now that he's getting out there in 11 on 11 reps, now I go the other way and say, you know, trending in the right direction and trending toward what I think everybody's expecting. And that's three slash four safety sets from this defensive backfield as they sort of find themselves. Yeah, that's really good, especially because, I mean, you're still not 100% sure of exactly what the cornerback position looks like. So to have that have that stability that you would want at safety uh, would be really good to start the season. Speaking of the cornerback position, and I mentioned Uh-oh. it with Butler. No, no, this is positive. Oh, okay, okay. So I, I mentioned it with Butler. I posed on, on WEEI.com over the weekend, one of my columns, that <laughs> Butler could be a surprise cut. I've been saying that all along. I don't think this team has a long list of quote-unquote surprise cut candidates and a guy – who has a history, who has a resume as a pro bowler, but is also coming back from retirement at 32. There's a lot sort of mixed up in that um, equation, I guess. Terrence Mitchell was in the same boat with him, started the preseason opener, played 20-something snaps. There was a point in camp where it looked like he was the starter opposite Jalen Mills. I don't know what you make of that mix, but I will say today, I thought Sean Wade popped a little bit. Okay. Um, So I, I don't, and I'm not saying that mean, you know, Again, it was the tempo has been difficult to ascertain in a lot of these practices, like what exactly they're doing. Like, are they breaking up passes? Are they not breaking up passes in certain drills? Are they letting guys catch it? Yeah, I mean, in the first preseason game, Sean Wade, to me, didn't like stand out by any means. I I didn't think he played all that great. He had one good pass breakup down the sideline. Yep. uh, And I I think that was like it. It wasn't anything crazy. But he's a he's a young guy. So, you know, a flash. It was actually a funny um segment at the end near the end of practice it was 11 on 11 goal line and you know the boxing pads they use on the dbs to prevent them basically from holding whatever he made a really nice pass defense with one of those on knocked the ball away Mm -hmm. and then the coach immediately grabbed him and took the the pads off his hands and he was the only guy on the field i think it was a drill that wasn't supposed to have those pads on his hands but hell he made the pass defense anyway even with the limitations of the pads so um just just something to put in the back of your mind maybe a slight advancement or progression from Sean Wade, who's still a young corner, still in theory should have upside. And I do think, I think the defensive backfield in terms of jobs and roster spots is really interesting. I mean, you can only carry so many, I don't know if the numbers 10 total somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. And right off the bat, you got the four safeties. Yep. Then you got Jalen Mills. Then you got Jonathan Jones. And then assuming they don't get tricky to other Joneses, that's already up to eight bodies. Yeah. Now you're talking about 
two slots left. The other night in the preseason opener, Miles Bryant, really nice returning punts. Yep. Does that change his value, or do you just say, nope, I'm set in the return game because I have Marcus Jones, I have Ty Montgomery. Um, so I think, and, and Sean Wade, Joan Williams, um, Terrence Mitchell, Malcolm Butler, you know, that's four guys right there, maybe vying Two of them for are going to cut up. Yeah, so, I mean, I leave the door open. You know, Jack Jones could have a hamstring injury that lands him on IR or something like yeah. that. Um, but I do think there, even though people don't love the cornerback situation, I think there's going to be some interesting decisions made at that position with with who's not on the roster, who gets cut, and who ends up with the roles on Sunday. So, yeah, I think it's. I mean, you kind of pointed it out, right? I think Malcolm Butler is one of those bubble guys that could end up getting cut. Um, I, I end. I think Terrence Mitchell will end up making the team. Uh, I think just the the veteran. I guess vet, quote unquote veteran presence. Uh, even if he's not, even if he's not a starter, they signed him to a contract in free agency. He was like the first person they signed in free agency. I, I just tend to believe that he'll he will be on the roster before a guy like Malcolm Butler, and then it's kind of that last spot that's up for grabs. Um, and I don't have all the faith in Joan Williams right now. I would probably give the nod to Miles Bryant. I, I think having the ability on special teams matters to Bill Belichick more than other coaches. And so that may play in come uh, cut time. Yeah, I've kind of eliminated Joan Williams from the equation. Just he's like out of sight, out of mind. I guess he's in sight sometimes, but insight oh, out of mind. We also me. have to consider Joshua Bloodsoe, right? Yes. And he is certainly in that mix. And Part of the equation here is to like a Miles Bryant. I don't know if you can sneak him through to the practice squad. Joshua Bledsoe. I don't know if yep. you can sneak him through to the practice squad. Um, Bryant probably more difficult just because he's played. He's been on NFL mm -hmm. field, so like there's more of a track record. A pro personnel department may have more of a file on him. Yeah, want him, claim him, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, all those guys are going to be an interesting mix, even if it doesn't equate to a great mix of talent, like super high level competition. It, it's relatively competitive for, for spots. Speaking of which, I understand you have a little game for me and I think we can get it out of the way here before we transition into some other segments of the podcast. Um, so what is the, What's the game you have in store? So basically the game is, uh, will this guy get cut? Okay. Uh, and so the first name I wanted to start with was Malcolm Butler. You kind of already alluded to yes. the fact that you believe he will indeed get cut. Uh, so I will, or retire. So I'll move right on to the next name. Uh, the next name on my list is Justin Huron. I think he gets cut. He's really trended in the wrong direction. He's looked um, bad, downright bad. I mean, when you fall start both ends of the line of scrimmage, that's, that's not a great night on a preseason field. And Yadni Kajust seems to have passed him up. Although I will say this is a fluid situation. Like, what was it? 10 days ago, maybe I was talking about, uh, what the hell is his name? Arlington Hambright. And yes. He, he's fallen back to the pack. Ah, he's not sorry. getting the reps he was like seven excited. days, 10 days ago. Um, so that the reality is they, the house of cards thing I keep bringing up, the lack of proven veteran depth. I still think this is a target position for one of those trades where not a big trade, like just a late round pick and you add mm -hmm. some veteran who's played some time. I can't imagine they would be comfortable with Justin Huron at this point. So I'm going to say he gets cut. Uh, either Devin Asiasi or Dalton Keene. Right now, I'm trending toward cut, cut. And uh, I would say you keep the two tight ends. They played Matt Sokol, obviously the veteran the other day. Can you get him to the practice squad? I just, Keene is hurt all the time. Like, I, I don't even consider him a consideration anymore. Asiasi's shown up a little bit, but... I just look at the the overall 53-man roster crunch. If you're keeping your best football players, 
I don't think those two guys have done really anything at any point in the last three years to mm-hmm. earn a spot in that mix. So I, I would say cut, cut. Uh, assuming you're keeping Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Tyquan Thornton, Matthew Slater, is Nelson Aguilar a cut candidate? I do not think he's a cut candidate just because you don't save any money. Okay. Um, if you could find, and I know Pro Football Focus, we talked to Doug Kide on the Fitzy and Hart program over the weekend on WEEI, mm-hmm. sort of floated the idea. He had actually heard a couple of weeks ago, he thought from what he was hearing that it might even be imminent that a trade would be coming for him. Yeah, because I remember then, he had tweeted it out. Yeah, and then it never came to fruition. And I just think it's hard to do because of the guaranteed salary. Is anybody going to take on that $9 million salary? Um, you might have to alter his contract to get it done. So I do not believe that Aguilar gets cut. I do think they would move on from him if they could find um, a, a partner, a trade partner willing to dance around the contract somehow. We'll yeah. say today he made his best catch of camp and one of the best catches in camp. Um, left Ooh. side of the end zone, far end of the field, just went up with one hand, just kind of grabbed it, cupped oh, it, yeah. and hauled it in. It was a beautiful catch. So Good. he's not without talent. He isn't no. without talent. And I don't think we've ever ever accused him of that for sure. Yeah. Uh, the last guy for you I have is Cameron McGrone. Uh, really disappointing debut, I thought, and has done nothing to seize the day, quote unquote, at a really jumbled, mixed up uh, linebacker. Like, like at least position. Josh Uche, when he gets on the field, like you see flashes. But I, you know, because he's played, so Uche is more advanced in the development and the comfort. McGrone coming off a year missed to injury. I'm assuming he's like 100%, but I guess I don't really know for sure. It was an ACL, I believe, which some people takes a little longer to really get all the way back. So you combine, if he's 5% limited by ACL and he's 5 or 10% limited by he's young, he doesn't know what he's really doing. Well, now all of a sudden he's 15% limited. Is that enough to not allow him to play fast and do what he should do? Right now, I think he's probably a practice squad guy. I, okay. I can't see him making the roster in, in, right now. Um, and I can't really see anybody swooping in a late round pick who's never done anything, an injury. You could probably get him to the practice squad. So I would say he's probably cut to the practice squad. Okay. Any other surprise names to keep an eye on? Um, well, I mean, one of the names to keep an eye on is Trey Nixon. You know, the story of Trey Nixon, the preseason game, couple nice catches. I would say, I feel like you could get him to the practice squad. I feel like that's yeah. safe. Him and I, Christian Wilkerson to me feel like guys, you're going to try and get to the practice squad. Yeah. And we need to remember. The Patriots don't have a great receiving core. So if we're measuring and saying, wow, Trey Nixon's close or like, yeah, he's close here. Would he be close in Denver? Would he be close in like Minnesota, Cincinnati? Or would he be like, wow, that guy's far from Jamar Chase. That guy's far from the elite guys. So I think those are guys you could, you could certainly get through the, to the practice squad. So I think they're both practice squad type guys. Um, And uh, other guys that are interesting to me are the rookie running backs I don't know that you can afford to have both of them, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Ty Montgomery, all on the roster. I don't know. Does that make Ty Montgomery a possible cut candidate? He's been too good, in my opinion, and he's too versatile to be a cut candidate. And with the unknown of the the James White retirement and the unknown of the passing back situation, yeah, I like Ramondre Stevenson, but I'd like to have a safety net in Ty Montgomery in case it doesn't work out for whatever reason with Stevenson. So – I wonder again. Do they go like that, like the old Bill Belichick route of basically like, ah, one of my rookie running backs is on IR for the season? I think so. Yeah, probably. Well, and and so then that also means JJ Taylor's probably out the door as well, correct? Yeah, I 
he could be a practice squad guy. I yeah. don't think he's on the roster. But yeah, I would say I can't envision keeping keeping both rookie running backs. And yes, a Foxborough flu would be very very convenient for one or both yeah. of them. Quite yes. quite honestly, but probably one of them. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think real quick. The defensive line. You know, there's some decisions. There's some development. Like Henry guys. Anderson, Bill Murray, are either of those well, guys in risk? Henry Anderson is interesting because he's in the Butler um, camp where he played a lot in mm -hmm. in the preseason opener. And again, if you were a starter or sort of a high line player, you didn't really play in that game. And he did. Mm -hmm. Coming back from an injury as a veteran, I don't know if that's part of it to just get knock some rust off. Um, but they have a bunch of guys like uh, LeBron Ray. I thought popped a little bit, showed versatility, yep. played defensive end quite a Sam bit. Sam Roberts too, right? Sam Roberts popped a little bit. And you obviously have Barmore and Godchow and Guy and Wise. So and Judon. And yeah. So that that defensive line, defensive front, um, you might be trying to sneak a body through to the practice squad. There's yeah. probably not enough room to keep all of those guys around. Okay. So now uh, I want to touch on a couple things from the practice field because the coordinators. Or excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. We don't use that word right. around here. We don't the have assistants. Titles. The assistant coaches spoke with the uh, the media today, although I guess Cam Accord is technically the special teams coordinator. So. By the way, Bill Belichick also spoke to media today. Very jolly today. Uh, he was he in was a strangely jolly mood. Joking around with Chris Gasper. Hey, Chris, I really appreciate the question. I know how interested you are in this topic. What um? What do you think he knows? Because... I don't think he has any reason mm -hmm. to be jolly right now. <laughs> I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a no thing, Andy. He was he heard the criticism from last time he was asked these questions, and so he came in kill you with kindness. He's so nice; it's a condescension condescension thing. So he heard the pushback when he said, uh, "Don't worry about it," to a reporter <laughs> asking <Yes>. a question. <laughs> and when Phil Perry said, "We just want some clarity," and he goes, "Great." Right. Like yeah, he was he heard he heard that and said, oh, so you don't like that? Fine. I'll be so nice. It's demeaning. I thought he was um, now Mutt. When I did some uh, Friday afternoon on the MF show uh, or MFM show with Mutt filling in, he said he that's one of the most unprofessional he's ever seen, Bill. And I was like, wow, I've seen Bill more unprofessional. It might be in the top 10. It's not in the top five. But it did harken back to the days of. Uh, the old MFers, Merloni and Fourier, when they had to do the interviews with him and it got awkward at times. Yeah. And, you know, it, it definitely had some of that to it. So you may be right. He just bounced back with positivity. Um, Matt Patricia spoke today, uh, used the word collaboration, said he's not in a competition with Joe mm -hmm. Judge. There's no competition going on. It's a collaborative effort, which we've been hearing for this organization for the past whatever year plus in terms of front office, coaching, the whole thing. Um, he was in a good mood. He was jolly, I thought. Um, Joe Judge just talked about, I don't know, whatever Joe Judge talks His about. His normal hardo self. Yeah. Well, yeah. he he actually made me laugh. Um, what was the quote? It was something to do with, like, are you happy with what you've seen or something? He's like, well, as a coach, you're never really happy with anything you see or something. And I appreciated the honesty there. Yeah. Um, kind of embracing the hardo nature Look, of being the coach. That's the thing, too, about like guys like Joe Judge is it's like he's a super hardo, and I don't think he's all that good of a coach, but he's not like a – like these guys are awful human beings. Like they have senses right. of humor. They're they're good guys and they're honest half the time. So and he is like talking to some people. He is liked and respected around the league. Yeah, he I seems like a likable guy. Yeah, it's just so, I just don't think he's a great football coach. Um, you know, I bounced around Nick Cayley. A lot of the topic was communication and and the mechanics of the coaching mm -hmm. staff. What went and everybody. You know, I think I think Patricia put it. it I he described it 
like it was their first game. Like, not bad, just it was our first game. Meaning, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be perfect. It'll get better, that whole thing. Yep. Um, You know, he talked a little bit about the O-line thing and all that. And, it like, that's where the collaborative, just working through the process kind of thing came through to steal Bill's word. Um, Quick mention of that. Bill is a hard sell on the process. I know this because when Trent Brown spoke with the media, he must have said process 10 times in his five-minute press. So that means it's getting pounded into his head, and he's just regurgitating it. Uh Um, So that was interesting. Talked to Nick Cayley a little bit, who you know I still think should be a candidate to have a bigger role on this staff. Agreed. Um, He said he thought it went smoothly. He joked, well, only one of my guys played, so I don't know how it couldn't go smoothly because Matt Sokol was the only one that played from his position group. Um, Gerard Mayo had an interesting comment in his meeting with the media. Um, I believe his quote was, I don't even have a title, so who knows? And I was like, wait, you actually do have a title. You're you're linebackers coach, inside linebackers coach. But he keeps dropping little... um, Like not happy hints? With a smile. Kind of like Isaiah Wynn. When Isaiah Wynn talks about right tackle, (laughs) I'm just doing anything they ask me to do. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Gerard Mayo's like, I'm just, I don't even have a title. I just do what I'm told. Like, it would not stun me. And Mike Giardi, our friend, brought this up over the weekend. Why is Joe Judge doing some of the play calling? Is he being groomed for next year when Gerard Mayo leaves and Matt Patricia goes back to the defensive side of the ball and Joe Judge has to sort of take over the offense on his own? So Steve Belichick will just be like there again still? I mean, there'll be co-coordinators or senior off the blah, blah, blah. And I would also not throw out, by the way, talking about our Kaylee, um, you and I kind of like the idea of Kaylee to some degree. Yep. Wouldn't stun me if Kaylee's gone after this season either. So I feel like that even if they're not head coaches in the league, just coordinators oh, elsewhere. Yeah. Like if Kaylee went to Oakland or Vegas next year, it wouldn't shock me nope. at all. Nope. And, and, I, and if and if I've Gerard heard ended up his, his contract ends after this season, so and if, if you, Gerard ended up somewhere as a defensive coordinator, like in I don't know Pittsburgh or you know you know what I see him like as um, assistant head coach defense to a like Mike Tomlin perfect yeah or in like Minnesota with Kevin O'Connell or something like that yes um so I thought that was interesting Giardi saying like maybe this judge stuff is is getting him experience for next year I don't love that idea because Mm -hmm. neither do I gonna worry about this year we can worry about next year at some point like this year right now is an issue um so yeah I the coaches were sort of interesting but I thought the most interesting part was the collaborative effort there's no competition going on I thought Bill even pushed back against the competition idea in his post-game remarks to Phil when Phil said, what do you need to see? And he cut Phil off and said, I don't need to see anything. It's a process we're going through. Well, so also, I don't know if you heard, Dante Scarnecchia texted us uh, the yeah. Greg Hill morning show the day after the game and said outright, he's like, there is no competition. It's Matt Patricia. Yeah. He's the offensive coordinator. He's the I play have, caller. I have felt that way for a while now. I still mm-hmm. feel that way. Now, could something change? Maybe. You know, I listened to Mike Lombardi on a podcast. He said it's simply about um, you know, that idea that Bill's going to be the shield. If it goes poorly, he's going to take the bullets. He doesn't want, yep. you know, anybody else sort of taking the bullets maybe. Okay. So I want to get to a game. I don't want this one to get too long. Supposed to be a okay. post practice podcast here on the six rings and football things. So I have a little game for you. I came up with on the Hill while yeah. watching what was not an overly exciting practice in shells. <laughs> so in the Patriots organization, okay, if you could rank your preferences for who you would like to call plays offensively, mm-hmm. how would it go? What would your list look like? And I have um, a list of, I think, like eight semi-legitimate candidates. They have to be in the building, correct? 
they have to work for the team, be in the building. Yes, you can't say Bill O'Brien. Okay, number one would be Nick Cayley. I would have rather seen Nick Cayley, the Nick Cayley Ascension plan. He would be number one on my list. He's number one on my list as well. Uh, number two on my list, shockingly enough, would probably be Bill Belichick because uh, I, I, I just... Like I don't, I don't want Vinny Sanceri calling my plays. I don't right. want. You, you made a jump Billy there. Yates. There's other candidates. No, I, I, you know, sure. I guess. Okay, um, let me give you two on my list. Okay, please do two because I'm running three. out of candidates. Because I had number four, Bill Belichick. He was number okay. four on my list. So he was on your list. Yep. And uh, number two is Brian Hoyer. Oh, I got another one. Can I? Can and, I give number three? Okay. Troy yeah. Brown. Uh, Troy Brown's on my list. A little lower. Okay. Uh, fair. Number three on my list is. Turn block back the clock to the 90s and the K gun and let Mac Jones just call his own damn plays. Mac knows what he's doing. Wouldn't be awful. He's a heady guy. He's how many times has he said this summer? I know what a good offensive play is. I know what a bad offensive play is. I know how to get the ball to my receipt. Like I would give him his shot ahead of what they're doing now. Then I have Bill Belichick. Then I get into the interesting category. I think those are the four best candidates. Um, Mm -hmm. Troy Brown. I like the idea. I don't know if it would work very well. No, probably not. But at the same time, it would work just as well as Matt Patricia or Joe Judge, in my opinion. None of the three of them have experience calling plays on offense. At least Troy Brown played offense football. He played offensive football for a long time, and he's been coaching it for multiple years from different roles. He's been receivers coach now for a couple years, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, Another one that I would throw out there, just this is half joking, half not joking, but it isn't really joking, is – Former North Carolina State quarterback, current Patriots leading receiver, Jacoby Myers. Dude knows offense, right? <laughs> does he know offense okay, or does he know yeah. offense? Sure. I, okay. I, you're right. He knows he knows an offense. Um, and then I think you get into, I think Patricia is the best of the rest of the candidates. You know my whole theory. At least he's called plays in the NFL. Yep. Um, so that whole thing. Interesting side note to this discussion that I found in the Giants game. Brian Dable did not call plays for the Giants. He is not currently oh. calling plays for the Giants. So really, uh, I believe That's from what surprising. I've read, it's at the request of the GM. He would actually prefer he not call plays. So Mike Kafka, the former Oh, is that Chiefs Joe Schistler, who's the GM now? Yes. So what I found funny is that on that field, you had two teams, one, who has arguably one of the best play callers in football choosing not to call plays, and the other whose cupboard is so bare in terms of offensive play callers that they have a defensive coordinator and a special teams coach calling offensive plays. So interesting comparison there. Well, so And I guess that was my biggest issue, too, with this whole Patricia Judge thing, right? Is that it's like we're, we're at a point in time in the NFL where different kinds of offensive coordinators are literally falling from the skies. It's like receivers, right? They're just they're just freaking everywhere. You can find them in the first round, the second round, the third round, the fourth round. It doesn't matter. They're just there right. because they just they're just so good now. And I think you're seeing a similar thing with offensive coordinators because everybody wants to be one that they're just everywhere. So the fact that Belichick couldn't go outside of his little comfort zone and grab somebody, anybody to be an offensive coordinator, to me it was infuriating. Okay, so you know how people hate you? Yes. I believe a single word right there was symbolic of why you're hated. Ooh, okay. Why Belichick couldn't go outside his little comfort zone. Little 
comfort. If you had just said why Belichick couldn't go outside his comfort zone and hire an offensive mind. Oh, yeah, no, I'm demeaning it's about not it. Ne nearly as disparaging as his little comfort zone. Yep, it has 100%. Come to it. And that's, that's exactly why, why I am considered a joyless prick now. I and yeah. I oh I I get it, but like at the same time, it's it's the truth. He has uh, his he has his he has his comfort zone. It it's Matt Patricia, it's Joe Judge, it's his little pets who will do whatever he asks him to do. And well, like it, he couldn't go out and find an actual productive offensive coordinator that's done it at either the college or NFL level. By the way, you could have chosen either. That is true, but it's also why, and I like to toot my own horn. This is why in January I brought up Patricia because, like, I know Bill prioritizes. Right. Circle right. matters as much as anything else, and no one's more in the middle of the circle with Bill than Patricia. And then you combine the fact that he is a smart guy and he's called plays. Like, it was a logical belt. I'm not saying it's perfect for everybody. No, actually, I think some people would just laugh at it. Some of us <laughs> in the media laugh at it, but yep. in the Belichickian little circle of trust zone world thing, it made sense. So. Here we are, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th this is where we stand. I can, I can rant and rave and be pissed about it all I want, but I nothing ain't nothing changing. Ain't nothing gonna happen. So well, Bill told you, don't worry about it. So Curtis asked this interesting question this morning. By the way, um, if this doesn't work, right? If this Patricia Joe Judge thing is is you are like a bottom seven offense in football kind of thing, uh, you know, five six games into the season, does Belichick actually a guy who? has credited himself basically on being able to change on the fly no matter what. Does he actually change on the fly and can one of these two guys that he considers his little buddies? Or does he just pound his head into the wall because he doesn't want to be wrong? He will absolutely not can anybody, but I do think he'll adjust on the fly. Um, I was just listening to – it was actually not a very good podcast, but they had Mike Lombardi on, and um, he was saying, like, that's Belichick's strength. He's a fixer. He'll always fix it whatever's in the best interest of the team, like Lombardi doesn't think that's a slogan. He believes that's actually the mentality Bill will take. But my question is, A, how do we know it's not working? B, like maybe they're just not good enough. Like well, maybe, what if Yadni Kajust is at right tackle and that's like the first step towards the passing game sucks because your pass protection sucked, you know what I mean? Or, you know, Devontae Parker can't get open. Tyquan Thornton suddenly looks like a lost rookie. Like, Yeah, but then is he going to come out and say he wasn't a good enough GM in the offseason? Because that won't happen either. No, he'll never do that. Exactly. Uh, he'll go out and spend money next offseason like he did last offseason. Will he? I don't know. Uh, he will. Um, we can get down that road in a different day. Uh, yeah. But also I would say, like, when does he make that decision is as important to me as if he will, because I think he will. And the decision isn't just in my mind about the play caller, the coordinator title, who's running it. It's also about like what they're doing. These outside zone boots, play action, like some of the stuff they're doing. When do you say, why don't we just do what we did last year with Josh? It kind of looked pretty good. So, and, and maybe, maybe the first step is pull back on some of the scheme changes Go back to what Mac knows, still have Matt or whoever call those plays. Then if that doesn't work, well, now we're in trouble because now the scheme, the, the play caller, the whole well, thing. Well, I think also part of that issue with going back to what McDaniels was doing is, is there somebody as good as McDaniels at teaching that offense in particular? And and I say, and I specifically word it like that because I, I, I understand that Belichick is, he's Bill Belichick, like he can help teach that. But at the same time, for years, you saw him not have to worry about that. He outright said, he's like, I didn't have to worry about the offensive side of the ball as much because I could trust Josh to go out and take care of it. Right. And it's and it's not necessarily even a play-calling thing. 
if they restricted a lot of the playbook for Mac Jones last year, who in turn is going to be able to teach him the proper way to run that McDaniel style offense. And my last point on this, as we uh, continue with the six rings and football things here, post-practice breakdown that has turned into another discussion about the play calling and the offense. Whoops. I found it interesting yet again that the description from players of what this offense is continues to revolve around the ability for our playmakers to make plays. It's going to give opportunities for playmakers to make plays. I found it really interesting. Trent Brown said that, who isn't a playmaker. He's a no. tackle. Uh, no. Jacoby Myers said it last week. Kendrick Bourne said it this week. They all agree. The question I would have, twofold. When do we start the playmakers? to plays? <laughs> well, yep. yeah, threefold. Who are the playmakers in your eyes? When do we actually start to see some plays, even on the practice field? And third, do they believe this, or is this just what's been told to them, and they're just going to parrot it around because I think it might be the latter? If Trent Brown is saying it, to me, it's what they're being told and what they're parroting. That's that's It's one thing if your skill players, the, the ostensive playmakers, are saying it. It's another thing when your left tackle is saying it. So, Don't you also think there's some degree of, by telling the playmakers that, whether they asked or didn't ask, whether it's a preemptive strike or not, it's almost like, why are we changing it? We were pretty good last year. We made some plays, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, no, no. This offense, when we get it down, you guys are going to make plays. It's almost like a sell job, like you're luring yeah. them into buying into the, the new system and everything. Feels like a used car salesman pitch. I don't love it. It, it does a little bit. So um, that's our discussion for today. I'm sure we'll have more discussions as the week goes on. And as the weeks go on, it is joint practice week in Foxborough, the Carolina lineup Panthers. Matt Rule are on their way, I'll say, from my perspective. And if fans are interested, I would head your butt down there to Gillette Stadium. These are the best days to watch these practices. You will see Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Christian McCaffrey, I guess. I don't really know how they use him in practice, given his injury history. Yep. DJ Moore. Jeremy Shin, uh, Chin, not Shin, Chin, Chin uh, Brian Burns, Brian Burns. Uh, keep an eye on that. Remember the feud between Mac Jones and Brian Burns oh, in regard right. to the 30th player in the NFL tried to break his leg, break his ankle. Yeah. So Gillette, Ooh, do you think, do you think he tries to, so here theory, I the last thing, last thought. Is there a chance Brian Burns tries to take a shot at Mac Jones? We get another practice fight. This time, David Andrews is fighting Brian Burns. Uh, well, yeah, if that happens, I think David Andrews, Cole Strange, and everybody else will be fighting Brian Bur uh, Burns, and it'll be a <laughs> massive melee. Uh, quick side note on David Andrews. Glad you brought him up. Uh, large wrap on his left hand, oh, that's and it looked good. like the pointer and middle finger in particular were heavily wrapped taped. and covered and protect, like, more than taped, though. It looked like there may have even been some sort of like a broken finger type of wrap. Something. It was, yeah. and you know what? I immediately joked, huh? You uh, you hit that on uh, Barmore's helmet when you were slugging it out with Barmore last week? Idiot. Um, I don't think he did. It's been a while, but who knows? You never know these things. But yes, joint practices. Brian Burns and company come to Gillette. Matt Rule, Bill Belichick's looking forward to it. He should be because he hasn't done much with his starters for damn near a week now. And hopefully, as Trent Brown put it, this is their first test where they get to show what they are. And maybe we start to put things into, into relative slottings here. We've Ooh, talked about perspective. it. Perspective. 
is the defense better than we give it credit for? Is that why the offense is struggling? We might find out against Baker Mayfield and Moore and, and McCaffrey. Is the offense ready to go against somebody other than someone who knows all their play calls and their adjustments? Are they ready to do something against the Panthers? So very much looking forward to joint practice action at Gillette Stadium Tuesday and Wednesday. Six rings will be there. We will have a recap podcast on Tuesday and I believe again on Wednesday all things coming out of the practice action. We will preview Friday night's second preseason game at Gillette Stadium, where hopefully we actually get to see some players that'll be on the 53-man roster come September. And then we're just going to keep rolling right on through training camp because it's coming fast and furious. We are under a month away from the regular season opener and the Miami Dolphins, ready or not, Patriots, here comes the regular season for Chris Shime time shime. And Oh, by the way, along the way, we'll have plenty more discussion of the play callers and the oh, offense. Yeah. That's not going away. Play. Not going anywhere. If you're sick of it. Well, I'm sorry. Blame bill Belichick. He's the one that created this mess. Yes, he did. Six rings and football things. If you want to hit us up on Twitter at six rings pod, the number six, if you want to email us, it's at six rings pod, gmail.com. I'm Andy Hart. Hope you enjoyed the show. Tell a friend, download the Odyssey app, or at least subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. See ya. Peace out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.